This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. There's been many, many, many men, many people in my life that I would, it was probably about four or five years ago that song came on the radio around Thanksgiving time, and I, I did my best to reach out to every pastor that was ever in my life, and some when I was just little, and others that would have really known who I was, and I just, I tried to reach out and say thanks, and share with them where I was in my life, um, and it was a large part because of things that they have done, whether it was, whether I even fully understood it or not, uh, their impact into my family's life, or how that trickles down into my own, and um, obviously my own parents, um, many of you that sit in this room, um, I think of Alan, who's not here, that honestly, if it were not for, I'm not one to say I wouldn't be where I'm at because of, but I, I, I don't know where I would be if it weren't for many of your encouragements, your friendship. Um, and uh, so uh, from the bottom of my heart, I say thank you. Um, I could go on and on. I just, I got a, an update, Facebook, you know, how they give you all your, what took place a year ago in five and ten and whatever. This morning it was uh, pictures of, of many of you scraping floors in this building three years ago. And to stop and to think, three years ago we, we were still in a school. Uh, we were a week away from having our first service in here, which we had no flooring. We had... Uh, a lot of it was it was ugly. We had a piece of wood stage, and um, God has been so good. Um, and I, I'm 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 grateful. Thank you for that. That was uh, Dan told me there was a song that was going to be before. I wasn't expecting that in that way, and I wasn't expecting my reaction in this regard. But uh, um, I, I I do thank you. I want to ask you, and I want to start with a question this morning. And the question is this, do you desire to grow in the Lord? Is it a goal of yours to know God in a greater manner than you do? I believe, as we get into this passage and as we have been in Galatians, I believe that it was the, Galatians, the, the church in Galatia that they were desiring to grow in God. I genuinely believe that they desired to have a greater walk, that they desired to know him in a better manner. But just like so many others, and just like so often we do the same, they, they genuinely desired to, to, to know God, they genuinely desired to want to grow in that, but they had chose to follow a wrong philosophy. They had chose to adhere to something that somebody was teaching, and they began to go down this road. Sadly, good, smart, and sincere people have been fooled into thinking that Christianity is about everything in the Bible being a list of rules or do's and don'ts, or that our spiritual maturity is simply obeying a set of laws, or maybe it's in your life you're similar to where I have been at times, and I, I feel that I don't mature in the way that I could because I don't have enough personal discipline. I don't have a strong enough determination to lead me, and so therefore I'll just have to do better next time. 
When we think I'll come to church, I'm sorry, is there a tissue up here? <laughs> is there a tissue somewhere? Under the piano? This is going to be bad. Here, how about I do this? Sorry about that. I'll clean it later. Maybe we cut that out of the video at some point. I don't know. Um, anyway, so many times we, we get this thought in our mind that I'll just I'll come to church on Sunday. I'll be renewed. I'll have this new strength in me. But then we go out of the church service. We leave. And at some point throughout the week, we stumble. We fall. We get angry for failing. We then take on guilt and we say what? I'll do better tomorrow. I'll do better next time. Typically, what happens? It becomes repetitive. So tomorrow, I'll do better turns into the next day being I'll do better the next time turns into the next time being I'll do better the next time. And here's what this really is. This is a spiritual cycle because we try to obey God and we believe that our maturity in God is through us acting and doing certain things according to we wouldn't call it the law today, but it's according to what we would call or know to do right and wrong. Paul addresses this exact issue. He has been addressing this exact issue. And this morning we're going to go to chapter number four in Galatians, where Paul is yet again looking at their continued struggle because they are looking to their own works, to their own actions, which ultimately keep them in bondage. When we are trying to draw closer to God because of something that we do, we will constantly be in bondage. And this is what Paul is looking at. This issue of legalism, adhering to the law for their salvation, for them being in right standing before God. I'll state again. As we have at the very beginning, we've stated all the way through this, uh, this book that we've been studying. There is one gospel. There is one God who can save. And there is nothing you or I can do to be able to be in right standing before God. Rather, it's in the work that Jesus Christ did upon the cross. This is what Paul is teaching. He has been very firm in his text and today is no different. When it's our works, it is no longer about His grace and His mercy. It becomes about me. It's only in His grace that we experience the freedom that God offers. It's in our works that we experience bondage. Don't forget. I want you to think this and remember this. Legalism only gives an appearance of spiritual maturity. When in reality, it simply leads us backwards. I'm praying this morning that what I'm going to really do this morning is I'm really laying out a foundation. For the next hour and a half or two, I'll be laying out a foundation of, some of you are like, oh my word. <laughs> Guests in the room are like, all right, thank you, sir. No, but I'm going to lay out a foundation at the beginning of chapter number four, because I believe one of the some of the things that we we talk about in Christian world and are inside of our Christian circles. And we say some of these words, we say words like we've been adopted into the family. We say words like I'm a child of God. 
But here's what it is, and we're going to look at this because it's in this passage. If I were to honestly just look at you in the eye and sit down and say, can you tell me what that means? Most of us would go, well, you know, adopted. Like, you know, I have a sister that was adopted. Like, you know, I was adopted by my family. I was adopted. I'm now a part of the family. That is true. But there is so much more to what the word of God speaks to as to what adoption is. And in this particular passage, Paul is speaking and he speaks of them going back to being as children. What is it to be a child? What does it look like? We're going to look at a lot of those things this morning. Leading into the next couple weeks where we will really dissect even a little deeper what that looks like to be a son of God, to have that redemption, to look at what it is that I am adopted. I am, I am adopted into the family. I am a son of God. What does it mean to be a son as opposed to a child? Because the Bible speaks of being a son and being a child in this passage here. So what does that mean? I don't know. Some of you might go, oh, I know exactly what that means. Others of you are probably looking just similar like I have in many times in my life where I'm like, well, I have four children. I know what it is to be a child. And I have a son. <laughs> He's the male of those children. <laughs> but there's so much more depth, depth to that. And this morning, I want to I give us three simple ways within our lives that we often we live inside of this spiritual bondage maturity thing. And I, I, I feel like sometimes we never... We don't grow to the fullness of our ability, spiritually speaking, because we're constantly worried about what others look at, because our culture says you have to do, 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 do. Well, the Word of God speaks of our actions as we know God, that as we know God, there's things that happen because I just simply love God. There's things that I do for my wife simply because I love my wife, not because she said, hey, Aaron, here's your, here's your to-do list as a husband. Now make sure that you do these. Some of you are like, well, there are some of those things that happen. There are some of those things that happen as a husband, right? We have a to-do list. But the reality is I do things for my wife because I love her. Three simple thoughts with this. One is this. Many people live inside of this cyclical bondage and they eventually just say, you know what? The Christian life is not worth it. I'm done. I can no longer continue to go to church, go home, do this, do that, trying to be this Christian, but I have no idea what this is. Nothing in my world has gotten much better, right? I, know, I don't know how many people I've... I've either led to Christ or I've tried to disciple or I've tried to work with and they're excited and I'm excited. And within a month, it's like everything that could go wrong in their life has happened, right? And they're just going, I just want to fall in love with Jesus. Why is all of this happening? So you know what many people do? They just go, you know what? If this is what this Christian life is all about, I don't want anything to do with it. There's another group of people which I genuinely, and I, 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 I really believe this. I believe there's a group, this second peep, group of people is probably the majority of most believers today. I believe that most believers have come to a place 
where we have conditioned ourselves not to live with complete joy, not to live with the peace and the comfort and the happiness and all of the things, the, the, the fullness of life that God has promised, right? I believe we have come, so many have conditioned themselves, spiritually speaking, this is just how life is. And I live feeling guilty about my sin. I live feeling condemned. I live in this, this, and it's just kind of cyclical. I just said it just a few moments ago. I'll do better tomorrow. I'll work harder tomorrow. And we're just kind of comfortable. We've conditioned ourselves to say, well, I guess this is the Christian life. It's really awesome to know Jesus as my Savior. It's really awesome to know that when I pass, that I'll go to heaven. But I guess this is how life is supposed to be. The other option, the other person is this. We have come to a place of being radically transformed by the teaching of Jesus Christ that emphasizes grace and the freedom of knowing him. John 10.10 says it this way. I am come that they might have life and what? They would have it more abundantly. Do you realize most believers who claim Christianity don't live an abundant life? Why? We live in a box of do's and don'ts so often, which is not the abundant life that God would speak of. And so as we look at this passage of scripture, I believe personally, I feel that I've, I've probably gone back and forth between two and three. Anybody? There's, there's moments in your life where you're like, man, this is amazing. I could take on the world. And then there's other moments of, of your life and you're just like, oh. Is this really what this is all about? But I know I'm supposed to go to church. I know I'm going to continue to serve. And blah, 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 blah. Do you know what I, as I look at this and as we go through this this morning, I believe 100% that the word of God is true, cover to cover. I believe that it's inspired by God. I believe that this is God's letter to you. I believe all of these things. And in that, I believe John 10.10 is real. That God came, that Jesus Christ came, that we would have life and that we would have it abundantly. I also believe this. In my pride and in my arrogance and in who I am as a person, sometimes I put me in front of all of those things. When we live a life of legalism, where I have to do certain things to make myself feel like I am, I'm in good standing with God because today was a good day. I didn't even say a foul, a foul word, right? I didn't, not yet. <laughs> Sorry. When we live that way, legalism is this. It's basically pride versus guilt. Pride, what? The appearance of righteousness. Legalism is the appearance of righteousness. If we obey the rules, God will be happy. Our accomplishments, what do they do? They lead to pride. They lead to this superiority thing that, I, that God is taking me in, in all of these things that I am doing. Look what I have done. And then here's what that does. What does that make me do? I walk into church and I'm a man. Mm. Puff my chest out. Man, you all didn't even know I cleaned the toilets this week and look what I did and I did this and I, and I acted this way and I did all and I come in and then I sit down. 
And I sit down in the chair, and I'm like, I bet you I did more than Charlotte this week. I'm doing okay. Because why? I am better than you. My pride tells me when I believe that it's about what I do, my pride will get to me even when it's a bad day. On a bad day, I'll look around and I'll be like, well, I'm better than them. I at least serve in the nursery. Am I wrong? You might not think that. I've been there. My spiritual life isn't what I know it ought to be, but I can look to the person next to me and I can be like, well, but I'm, doing, I'm still doing all these things, so I'm doing all right. Pride. But what does that lead to? Guilt. My failure fuels my guilt, which leads to discouragement and anxiety, and the pressure robs me, and it enslaves me. What? To continue to do religious things. My legalism, all of the do's and don'ts that we feel that we have to adhere to, leads to pride, which says I'm better to, than you, which ultimately leads to what? I have to continue to do all of these things so that God will think I'm okay, so that you will think I'm okay. But all that is is destruction. It's bondage. The Word of God in Galatians speaks of what? That we would be free in God. Free in Christ. John chapter 8 says, Whom the Son hath set free. Whom the Son set free, he is free indeed. Matthew 11 said, what? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I would ask you this question. Did God, was Jesus lying? Absolutely not. But if I were to ask you this question and say, hey, do you feel that his yoke is easy and his burden is light? I would say many of you would say, oh my word, no. No. I feel so weighed down. I feel this burden. I feel this, this weight that is upon me. But that's not at all what God says. God says to cast it all at his feet, that we would give it to him, which is a whole other thing. I believe we're doing that, and I believe we live in such a manner, and though we don't intend to do it, but we live with this legalism just like the Galatian church was doing they desired to know God, but they came to a place where it was easier for them to do it according to the rules that somebody had set forth rather than saying, God, here I am. Because sometimes, I don't know, maybe you're different than me, but sometimes if I were to just be flat out honest, there's times where I go, I, I really want to know God. But does anybody just want the one, two, threes of how to know God and have the most perfect Christian life in their world? Anybody else? Thank you for being honest, the 12 of you that raised your hand. I have this desire in my world. Well, you're the pastor. I'm just being real. Listen, it would be awesome if somebody were to say, Pastor Aaron, if you did X, Y, and Z, you'd have a church of 5,000, you'd have a perfect Christian life, your marriage would be amazing, and you would live the abundant life if you just did X, Y, and Z. Just do those three things every time. The reality is it's kind of in Scripture. It's there. 
But it, does, it doesn't just say, hey, if you wake up at this time, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this. No, some of it is we have to act upon that. I was reading just this morning in Psalm 119. It said that God created me. So can't he give me the understanding that I need to live? So as we get into this, Paul is going to the Galatians, the, the church there in Galatia, and he begins to teach through, he begins to not teach, he's writing, he's scolding, he's upset, he's frustrated. We went through all of these things. Go with me to Galatians chapter 4. I'm going to take us back through all of these things. What does it look like to be a child? What does this look like in all of this stuff? And then the goal is next week that we will dissect and really get into this, into that next step a little bit deeper and further into that. Galatians chapter 4, verse number 1, it says this. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, excuse me, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. How be it then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God. How turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. You observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Father, I ask that you would use this, uh, these next few moments to, uh, to soften hearts, to speak to those that are here. God, that we would uh, fully, in, in a greater capacity, understand Scripture. And as we understand it, we can apply it to our lives. Help us, God, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I just have a couple simple points this morning. The first is this, the, I guess the title of my sermon would be The Measure of Spiritual Growth. And spiritual maturity is this, the first thought. Spiritual maturity does not lead to infancy. You're like, well, duh, that just makes sense. Spiritual maturity does not lead to infancy. The goal is that a child would go from infancy to adulthood, right? Not from adulthood down to being a child. But Paul is saying just that. Why are you going back to being children? Why are you going back into childhood? And I'll, under, I'll explain that in just a minute. The entire text is speaking of us growing in our maturity. He says in verse 8, When you did not know God, there was a time, he says, we didn't know God. But it doesn't stop there. It goes even further. When God knows you, it takes it to that next step. The reality is... This is speaking of us growing in a mature manner. So let me take you into what this is to be a child. Let me take you to what we understand in Scripture according to the culture, according to the context of where we are. What does it look like to be a child? Three different historical contexts. One is this. A Jewish boy was under the direct and absolute control of his father. 
But on the first Sabbath after his 12th birthday, we would say that's the bar mitzvah, the boy's father would pray and he would say this, Blessed be thou, O God, who had taken me or taken from me the responsibility of this boy. The boy would then pray this, O my God and God of my father, on this solemn and sacred day, which marks my passage from boyhood to manhood. I humbly raise my eyes unto thee and declare with sincerity and truth that henceforth I will keep thy commandments and undertake to the bear or to bear the responsibility of my actions toward thee. At this time, this in the Jewish culture, after that bar mitzvah, they went from being a child to being a son. The son would go from being a child to being a son. If you remember last week, Dan spoke very clearly about the guardian and some of the tutors that would come into the home and they would teach and they were basically completely over these children. So they would go from being in that situation, the slave or the tutor was over the child to now all of a sudden the child being a man. The next one is this. In the ancient Greece... A boy was under his father's control until about the age between 17 and 18. At that time, a festival would come, would be held, in which the boy was declared an ephibos, or a type of cadet, with special responsibilities to his clan or city-state for a period of two years. So basically, you would go up to the 17, 18 years old, then you would go into the army to his city, to his clan, for a period of time. During the coming of age ceremony, the boy's long hair would be cut and offered to the god of Apollo. So again, in Greece, there was a day, there was an age where you would come to a specific time where you were no longer a child, but you now became a son. The next one is this. In Roman culture, at the Roman ceremony, boys would take their toys Girls would do something very similar. If it was in my house, my son would take a pickup truck, load the back of his, and dump all of his toys. You're not, it's not funny, sorry. The boys would take all of their toys, their Legos, their stuff, and they would take it to this ceremony. And it was, they would take it, they would drop it, and offer them in a sacrifice to the gods as a symbol of putting childhood behind them. It was the custom that Paul alludes to. If you think of what does it say in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, When I became a man, I did away with childish things. Paul was teaching about what it was to be a man. They would take all of their things and they would their toys. We no longer play with toys. We give them. We sacrifice our toys so that I would become a man. Here, in this context, they were under the Roman culture, and it is believed that this would have taken place somewhere around the age of 14, 15 years old. The boy would have been under a slave of his father's choosing. Then they would move on to a guide or to a tutor, which as you read this passage of Scripture, it speaks specifically of those things. And it would go through these things. From there, they would go to another set, and it would say that they were man at about the age of 25. So as we look at this, as we begin to go through this, the minor had great expectations. The minor had great wealth. 
The miner had great potential. The miner had great honor, his position and power, but they were no greater to him because he was no greater than a slave. The word of God says that in chapter four. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Though if I was a multi-billionaire and my son was under that age, he has the heir of all of those things, but he is looked at no different than a slave until he became a son. That is an, uh, an adult. He now has something that he could look for. This child was one who couldn't speak. An infant. Though he had all the potential. Though he had an inheritance. He would be under the care of that tutor, the guide, the guardian, the steward. He was looked at no different than a slave. If we take this and begin to look at this in the application of what Paul was really trying to say, was spiritually speaking. Why? Though we are children, he says. So we, when we were children, were in bondage. Why are you going back into bondage as a child? What can a child do? An infant, what we're looking at, what can they do? Nothing. They do nothing. They are completely dependent on, in this context, the slave, the guardian, the tutor. They are completely dependent. They can't feed themselves. They can't choose what to eat. They can't do anything. They can do nothing on their own. They need you and they need me or they need that slave. They need whatever. As what Paul is saying is, why would you go back to being under, suppressed under a law that is telling you what to do, where to do it, how to do it, where to go, when to go, what to wear, what not to wear, how to keep your hair, how not to keep your hair. Nobody wants to do that. Some of us might go, yeah, there's something to being a child where you don't have to think. You don't have to do any of that. But the reality is there is no freedom in that. Spiritually speaking, God's word never, he doesn't desire us to be there. I was a child, Paul says. We were. I was once the same. I was under that. I was without the grace of God. I was without the freedoms that were found in Christ. So the first very simple thought is this. Spiritual maturity does not lead us to infancy. So as we keep on going, spiritual maturity does, however, take me <clears throat> beyond the elements of the world. If we look in this passage of Scripture, it says in verse 2, but is under tutors and governors unto the time appointed unto the Father. Even so we, when we were children, in verse 3, were in bondage, under the elements of the world. All of us were once children. We were without the hope of salvation. 
Some of us in this room this morning have come to the fullness, so to speak, as a man. We have come to age, if you will, if we're looking at this passage. You have come to age where the Word of God has, has brought you to a place where you would say, yes, I know Jesus Christ is Savior. Yes, He is the Lord of my life. Yes, I say yes to God. I have come to age, so to speak, spiritually, where I'm no longer a child. I'm no longer under that rule. Paul is making some of these things and he is saying, why are we going backwards? Because spiritual maturity, knowing Christ, has to go forward. He says not to go back under the elements of the world. What does that look like? What are the elements of the world? What are those elements? The word here says we're in the bondage under the elements. That is, the law of God is simply the elemental things. What are the elemental things? The elemental things are things in a row. You're like, okay, what does that mean? What would things be in a row that are elemental, that are basic? Maybe we're teaching our children. What are we teaching our children that are things in a row? We teach them A, B, C, D. We teach them their numbers, right? One, two, three. And as they get older, we teach them and we go a little bit further and we go a little bit further. But the goal is not that they would just be able to quote A, B, C, D. The goal is not that they can just sing the song. The goal is not that they can count to a hundred The goal is further than that. Why? Because the basics, that's just elemental. From there, we know our numbers and our letters. So we take our letters and now we begin to put them in words. Now we take those same words that are basic, cat, C-A-T, elemental. And we take cat and we say, there is a cat. Now we have a sentence. And we begin to build on all of those elemental things. The word of God here, Paul is saying, the law is just elemental. There's so much more depth than just the law. We don't want to go back to the law where we are bound by those things. That's just the basic. It's the basics. We have to go further than those things. We have to take it to the next step. If you will. And what they were doing was they were adhering to the religious systems of the day. Be it the the Jewish religion, the rabbinic traditions, or even inside the, the Gentile world, they had their own religious systems. The human philosophy and the pagan religions were all interrelated. And both Jewish and traditional, uh, and both Jewish traditions and pagan religions centered in man made systems of work. They were filled with rules, regulations, the obeying of which were thought to make a person right with their deity, whatever that was. The elemental things of all human religion, whether Jewish or Gentile, ancient or modern, inevitably involve the idea of achieving acceptance by one's own effort. They are elemental 
and that they are only human, never rising beyond the mundane to the divine. Paul is urging and he's pushing the Galatian church as I would today. Don't live as children. Don't live in a state of slavery where you are told like a child was what to eat, when to eat, how to eat, and so on and so forth. The law was the guide and the director of their lives. If we're looking at this passage, again, Dan spoke of it last week. The guardian was the law. For a child, there was a tutor. There was a guard or a guardian. There was a steward. And all of these people controlled and told the children what to do. Spiritually speaking, the law was this for a person. Paul says, stop. Why are you going to go from the grace and the freedom of God to going back to to what the law is, to having a guardian, to being as a child, a slave, having no right, having no right to the heir of the throne that that has been given, given to you? Why are we going back into that? And listen, I would say the same thing today. We live so often as believers right in the same spot. We live in the basic elemental things and we never desire to grow beyond that. We just want somebody to tell us what to do. We just want to look okay. So long as everybody thinks that I am okay in the church, then we're all good. God says, no. That's not okay. What would you think today if you walked into... If you walked into the library, which I don't know how many of you ever go to a library at all, I don't know. But if you were going to a library, or maybe you were to drop your kid off at the preschool, and there's a grown man in the preschool sitting down and beginning to learn his ABCs. We would all kind of go, that's eh, it's a little weird. We would think what? There is something developmentally wrong with him. Why is a 40-year-old man sitting down in a classroom with children trying to learn the basics, the elemental things that they should have learned 40 years ago? How silly is that? But yet that's what we do spiritually. Because we're unwilling, for some it might be we don't understand or know how, but even in that, I believe, I believe with everything in me, if I know Christ as Savior, that means the Holy Spirit dwells and lives within me, therefore if I want to know God, I will come to know God. But I don't understand the Bible, great, I don't understand the Bible, I understand the Bible by what? The Holy Spirit that lives within me. At some point, I have to pick it up and say, let's go. We want to help. The church wants to help. The church is here to help. But at some point, I just have to bow and I have to get before God on a regular basis and say, God, I want to know you more. I'm seeking after you. I want to grow beyond these elemental things. 
the law was simply revealing the basics where we now have the fullness of knowledge. The law wasn't the final revelation of God. Jesus was the final revelation. The law revealed basic truths where Jesus reveals the fullness of that. The law is a shadow of God's character. Jesus is the fullness of God's character. We need the basics. We need the basics to read and to grow and to do all of those things. The basics are not bad, but we have to go beyond the basics. And Paul is looking at the church and he's saying, come on. We don't go backwards. We have to go forward. We have to. Don't go backwards. Let's press on. Our righteousness is not about you and I obeying the 600 plus commandments in the Old Testament. Rather, it is believing Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again, Plus nothing else. The last thought this morning is really going to take us into next week. And so hopefully you'll chew on this for a couple minutes and then we'll go into next week. But the last thought is this spiritual maturity. But when the fullness of time had come. You're like, that's a weird point. It is. But when we look at spiritual maturity... As we go through this passage of scripture, it says in verse number three... uh, There were children were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. It's the same thing in their culture. But at the appointed time, when the father made the appointed time, now you are no longer a child. Now you are a son. Again, I'm not going to dissect all of this, but I want to give us a little bit of a nugget, a little bit of a of a context to this. This is really, I don't know what you think, but as we get into this and next week, this is very, very good stuff. It's powerful. It should be freeing when we grasp this. Um, But the power, the joy, the hope that we have in this thought is just amazing. It's the beginning of the measure of spiritual growth. The world at this time had been prepared. If we were to stop and think about this, and we don't have the time to go into this, the preparation all around the world that had to take place for Jesus to come and to be born. But when the fullness of time had come, there were roads that were built, there were things politically that were taking place in this culture, and this culture, and this culture, and this culture. All of those things that were taking place all around the world to be prepared for Jesus' birth at this particular time. So we we have some of that as a background or a backdrop, but when we look at this, we see that it's no longer a child. One through three, we're speaking of the children, the child. Now it becomes this person. We're looking at a son. As we place faith in Christ, we are birthed into the family of God, become babes in Christ. In 1 Peter, it says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so, be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. When we come to Christ, we are babes in Christ. But it says we are what? Sons of God. If God's word says that you are a child, what does that mean? If I am a child, we just talked about this, a child had no right beyond what? The slave that was above him. 
Yes, there was, there was the potential of, there was the hope of, there was all these things, but God's word says that I am a son. I have been adopted into the family. And it doesn't say I was adopted as a child. It says I was adopted as a what? Son. So what does that mean? I now have full access to all of the inheritance of my daddy. It's a different thought altogether. And Paul says, don't go back to being a child. Don't go back to slavery. Don't go back to those things. You are a son of God. You have all of the inheritance at your fingertips. Why are you now sitting and eating crumbs off the table? God's given you a place at the table. There's a lot of good stuff here. But so often we live, it'll be okay. It's all right. I know that I've accepted Jesus and one day I'll get to heaven. No. God says today, today, what is today's date? The 27th of October, 2019. I am a son of God. I am an heir. I have the right to everything daddy has. I'm not a child. In this context and what we're looking at, the child had nothing, no right greater than the slave that overlooked them. We're not just babes. We are sons of God. We are sons of God. We are adopted as sons. Our word adoption is not the same. The word adopted is to be adopted as a son. We talked about this, Dan and myself and Mike were in the, in the coffee shop this last week and we were talking about this. What is it to be adopted? And I was sharing stories of my home and my sister being adopted and Dan was adopted and he was sharing some of his and we're just talking about all of these different things and we're looking at it. And then as I study, it's, it's, the word is is to be adopted as a son. Dan was sharing some of his personal. As he grew up, he didn't fully, and I'll let him talk about that later, but he was sharing similar things that it was like there wasn't a fullness of understanding of what I had in my adopted father until I came of age to understand it. And as I'm studying it, I'm looking at this, and I'm going, oh, my word, in the Bible it says that I'm adopted as a son. There was no, I have to get to understanding of all of these things. No, I'm adopted with all of the inheritance. I'm not a child. I don't have to sit at the table and have somebody spoon feed me. I'm an heir to the throne of God because I'm adopted as a son of God. Listen, if you know Christ is your Savior, you have been adopted as a son. You have the privilege of a grown adult son. Don't go back to over here where I am a child, an infant who has nothing other than the one day I hope. I don't have to live that way. 
Listen, today you are frustrated. You are hurting. You are trying to figure it out. You're in this state of just, ah, I know that I'm a believer, but I'm so frustrated. I've got so much anxiety. I have so many things that are flooding my head. Listen, I can't give you the, hey, if you do this, it all goes away. But I'll promise you this. If you would simply just leave it to God and say, God, I humble myself before you. Because you're the only one that can take it off of me. It's not about what you can do. Because we live in what we can do. And it's a cycle. Every day is the same. God, I pray tomorrow I'll do better. Maybe I'll read this next book on anxiety and it'll help me get rid of all of those things. Listen, I'm not trying to downplay the reality. There are mental illnesses and there's things of that nature. But God... But God, leave it at his feet. Church, I don't want to be a church. We're just a bunch of children. I want to be a church where we grasp and understand. Why have we spent so much time on this? 20 weeks almost in the book of Galatians. Why? One, I'm in no hurry. But the other thought is this. There is so much depth and goodness there's so much. It was just a short period of time when the Galatians had came to know Christ through the grace of God that they then left all of it. Why? Because they weren't constantly reminded of all of those things. Listen, this morning, I just want to remind you. I want to tell you, maybe it's the first time you've ever looked at that passage and really understood what it was to be a child. I don't know. But listen, God gave everything for you to take everything from you so that you could live an abundant life. Don't take it all back and try to make yourself okay. I can't. It was a month or two ago, I don't remember how long ago it was, but I said this, we have to get to the place where we say, I can't, but you can. You say, but I have to have that next drink. I have to have that next thing. I have to have that next. I have to, have to, have to. I, 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 I can't say no. That's right, you can't say no. But he already conquered all of that. So let's, let's move on with it. God, I can't say no today. I'm giving that one to you. God, I, I'm frustrated. But I, I've got to give that all to you. I've got to give it all to you. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.